twisted God's word for his own purposes. And Satan also did that when he tempted the Lord Jesus in the wilderness. He misquoted scripture and took it out of context to use it for his own selfish ends. He wanted to be able to have power over the Son of God. Apostle Peter also writes about such twisting of God's word. He gives a warning in his second letter. 2 Peter 3, verse 15 and following, he comments about the writings of Paul and said, His letters contain some things, some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. People distort scripture all the time. For example, there are those who say that God didn't create in six days. Or others that the resurrection didn't really happen. Or they say that you have to do good works in order to be saved. And others that before you can become a child of God, you have to believe. You have to do something. Although they read the Bible, they make the mistake of what they want to say. Catechism and the other confessions on the basis of the Bible, using all kinds of scripture passages, will repeat such falsehoods and clearly state what the Bible teaches. Now, the Heidelberg Catechism or the other confessions that we have do not replace the Bible. Not at all. But what they do do is accurately summarize what it says in the Bible. It helps us to understand the Bible. And in this way, the catechism, like the good teacher that it is, gives us a handle on that word, and so on God himself. The catechism in a summary form teaches us about God, who he is, what he does. The catechism defends the word of God. The catechism defends the reputation of God. Can you imagine someone saying something false about your mother? Would you then not want to refute and defend your mother? Of course. You love your mother. And you don't want anybody to say false things about her. Oh, you see, that's also what the catechism does. The catechism was written at the time when the people served God more out of a love for themselves than out of a love for God. And you see, that's the way man is. You and I are like that too, and we need to be protected from that kind of thinking. Man wants to put himself in the center, and he wants to serve God in his own way. By the time the 16th century rolled around, Roman Catholic Church had pretty much gone away from the Word of God. The church was teaching all kinds of heresies. And the members of the church, and that was what the members of the church were expected to believe. The people of that day were not even allowed to have their own Bible. You had to believe what the church taught. Therefore, they didn't really know what it said in God's Word any longer. Even most of the priests and the rest of the clergy did not know the Bible any 
himself to buy it. Be very important that he do an excellent job of giving you a summary of God's word, and he also provide proof texts on the bottom of each bullet point to prove his case. It is deep description, the language that he uses, and also the proof text that he uses to show that. Now, how do you argue? Well, Castor and Macinus found that Paul's letter to the Romans, the Romans lent itself the best as his model for them to follow. We see the book of Romans deal in the first three chapters with our sin and misery. Chapters 4 through 11 with our redemption through Jesus Christ. And Romans 12 to the end of the book deals with our thankfulness. And it was a masterful stroke on their part to follow that same division of Romans. They kept the division found in the scriptures themselves, and in this way made an excellent summary of the Bible. But soon this little book came to be known as the Heidelberg Catechism became the gospel. Now then, let me explain the first thing this morning. Some people refer to the Heidelberg Catechism as the book of comfort. And that is partly because of the way that the Heidelberg Catechism starts off, where it begins by asking, what our comfort is both in life that is what sets the scene for the whole book, and that is also what the key is for the whole book. Our comfort is that we belong to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved us. There is no other comfort in this world. That is what the Bible teaches us, and that is also what the Heidelberg Catechism teaches us. Very interesting that the Heidelberg Catechism begins by asking us about our comfort. It's somewhat unexpected, isn't it? You would think that the answers would begin by asking about God, who He is, what He does, how we relate to Him. However, the Catechism doesn't do that. It asks about comfort. How come? Because the authors appeal to our most basic needs and want us to connect it to God. If you understand how God comforts you and that He is the only comfort in your life, then you are also driven to acknowledge Him. There are all kinds of comforts in this world. Man seeks comfort in so many different ways. Due to sin, there are many things lacking in their lives. And so man seeks to fill that void in order to feel complete. He is forever on the hunt for something to make him feel better. A child seeks comfort from his parents. A man seeks comfort from his wife, from a wife from her husband. Some people say comfort in their job, in their restoration, in their recreation or in their surroundings, or they seek it in food and drink. Some people are in such pain or are so intent on seeking comfort that they try to find it in the bomb or in drugs. Others seek comfort in power or in money. Life is a veil of tears. We are always confronted 
struggled with pain. We're always confronted with disease and death. We're always confronted with someone who abuses us in one way or the other or who has abused us. Abused us. It makes us depressed. And so we are driven to seek comfort. And now the catechism speaks about our own comfort. Depression is asked by everyone. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, whether you are ill or in good health, whether you are rich, whether you are poor, whether you have one foot in the grave or whether you stand at the threshold of life, whether you are a child or whether you are an adult. As a matter of fact, this question is probably more easily answered by a child than by an adult. Jesus does not say for nothing that the kingdom of God belongs to little children. A child's faith is simple. A child of believing parents does not question the existence of God. And he does not question the fact that everything comes from God's fatherly hand. So what is the answer to this most important question? Well, little children give the answer to this question they sing that little tune, Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. The Bible tells me so. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And the catechism practically says the same thing. I am not my own, but I belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Jesus Christ. His precious blood, Lord Jesus, God, you are mine. 
Since sin itself also hath made us weak and vulnerable, for sin has also made us prone to disease and death. And thus we are constantly confronted with it among the most immoral cities of that time. There was all kinds of sexual immorality and drunken orgies. But then they converted, became Christians. They were saved from sinful lifestyles. However, that did not mean that they were without trouble in their lives. No, as a matter of fact, that when different troubles began, they were shunned by society. They became hard to make a living. They faced all kinds of hardships. And that's also what happened to Paul. As soon as Paul became a Christian, he had to suffer through all kinds of things. He was beaten and imprisoned and ridiculed. He had to live a life of poverty. He lived under the constant threat of being arrested or stoned or even killed. But now look at how he sings, Praise to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who calls him the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all troubles. You see, Paul had realized that the comforts of this world were not worth keeping if it meant a way, if it meant going away to your own comfort. And brothers and sisters, there's only one comfort. I'm sure in this life we need all kinds of comforts. We need the comforts of good relationships. We need the comforts of a good home, of loving parents. We need to be relieved from pain and sorrow. We need the comforts of food and drink. But those comforts do not last. God promises you that the time is coming when there will never again be anything lacking in your whole life. When you will not be seeking comfort any longer because then you will have it. And it is a comfort that will last forever. And we have a foretaste of that now already. But in the life hereafter, we will taste it to the fullest. When we confess on the basis of God's word that Christ has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of life. Then we will see how wonderful it is to tread as described in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. That is the only comfort in life and in death. To God, body and soul, we are faithful, faithful to the end. That's our only comfort. How wonderful that we can confess that. How wonderful that we may have a confession that teaches us in the summary form exactly what the Bible teaches us. That in a few simple sentences, we will be reminded that we belong to God from now and forever. Amen.